Hi everybody, welcome back to our little green pasture. It's good to be back again. I've got some manna that I want to spread around and some love of God and some encouragement and some nourishment, encouragement and nourishment for our souls. So I pray everybody's doing good today. I hope everybody's had a good week. Boy, the things that we're seeing in this world Wow. Well, that's not why I'm here today. I just wanted to say that because, wow, every day it's something. But praise the Lord, it just shows that we're getting closer to going home to be with the Lord. So today I want to share something uh, that I thought was really beautiful that I saw during devotions, and that was yesterday. And, you know, it's really beautiful, isn't it? You know, the more time you spend in the Word, it's like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said that reading the word over and over again is like the treading out of the grapes in the wine vat. The more you tread, the more juice you get. And I have found that in my life, just the daily going back and going back and living at the well, it has never, ever, it's never been a disappointment. And there's been so much growth. There is so much growth, isn't there? Like when you really, really, just from your simple heart, not to gain something, not to try to just get information from the Bible, but to just live in the scriptures, live in those words, let those words live in you. And like I said, many times, a lot, you know, before I finish praying and I, I'm about to read the word, I'll say, Lord, now I'm going to read your word and I pray you read it back to me because he has to open our eyes and he has to open up our understanding. God's a God that opens things. Remember when he was came up out of the water during his baptism? It said, and the heavens were open. And then, it, you know, he opens doors no man can shut. And and he opens up the understanding. And, and he opens up our eyes. And he opens up the ears. And he gives us open hearts. I mean, God is a God that opens things. But God also was a God that shuts things, too. And I think it's important that we need to look at Jesus Christ and not really humanize him so much the way we do, because we try to get him to fit our schedule. We try to get him to fit our image of what he should be, or um, we want to see him through our own carnal eyes, but he can never be known like that. He He's not uh, somebody that we can make um, because I think in a way sometimes I'm just kind of thinking about this right now it enters into my mind but we have to be careful that we're not creating some kind of little image of him in our hearts that you know that we're not supposed to do that you know it says not don't not to make any graven images you know of things in heaven or of things on the earth or things of the sea you know and things under the earth and so we walk by faith and not by sight I'm totally happy to know that one day I'll see him face to face and these eyes today don't need to see him. Um, it wouldn't feel right. I want to wait till I see him. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to get going because I just want to share something I believe the Holy Spirit gave light on. And I just think it will bring so much comfort to you, especially if you're a new believer or maybe even a long time believer, but you've been stubbing your toe all along the way. So will you pray with me? All right. Well, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. I come before you today, and I come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I exalt your name, the name that is above all names, the name that is given from heaven among men, whereby all men must be saved. 
And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that each day, Lord, is another day, Lord, that you are working in the midst of the earth, that you're, it says you're in Psalm 74, 12, it says, for he worketh salvation in the midst of the earth. Lord, you are a moving God. You're a God that's always, um, you're doing, you're moving, you're going. Lord, and everything, Lord, even in nature shows that you are a God that's powerful and on the move. And yet you're as sweet and precious and gentle as the birth of the new spring and things growing and birds singing and, and honey and all those things. And Lord, so, you know, I can keep going on and on. So this message I give to you and I ask that Lord, that you would impress it upon the hearts of those that need to hear it and be with me, this imperfect vessel, this broken vessel, this little riverbed Lord, and that you would be glorified from this nobody, from this less than nobody, and that you will have all glory for the glory has always been yours and can only be yours forever. Amen. In Jesus name. You know, I was in Luke chapter five today, uh, yesterday, and I was reading and I'm going to read it to you guys today and you're welcome to follow along. Um, let me just hop over there right now. I had a portion of it right there, but I'm, I want to read it from my Bible. If I can just get there, should have had it ready. <laughs> um, okay. Like I'm going the opposite direction. Oh my gosh. How funny. Okay, so this is when Jesus was, um, well, let me just get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry, you guys. Oh, I love it that nothing's perfect, don't you? Could you imagine if I tried to be perfect all the time? You'd be, who is this? I like it when things are imperfect because things have to be relaxed or we don't learn. You notice every time Jesus teaches, it's always in an environment conducive to learning. It's never at a desk with a chalkboard. It's sitting on the lawn. It's sitting in your room. It's driving. It's in the, it's on the way. It's in the way. And you know, when you read through the Bible, every time the Lord meets somebody, it's always when they're doing something, when they're at work or something like that. A lot of times when they're at work. Anyway, here it goes. Chapter five, verse one. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret. That's another Gennesaret is also the lake of Tiberias. That was the Romans. They named that. It's also really the Sea of Galilee, but there was three names for it. So Gennesaret is Galilee. And it says, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they and when they had this done, because it's kind of interesting, it says they, he's talking to Peter, but I think the people, obviously, James and John were with them. And so the 
Jesus is speaking to Peter, they're like, obviously it says they let down their nets. It says, okay. And says, and they, when they had done, it says, uh, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and they filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And it struck me. I said, wait a minute. Because in Matthew 4, 17 through 20, 20, when Jesus went out and he began to call his disciples, it says from that time, Jesus began to preach. This was after he had been tempted in the wilderness. And now he was ready to start calling his disciples. So Jesus had to go through some things for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted of the devil. We have no idea what that looks like, but that's pretty horrible when you think Satan himself was tempting Jesus Christ. Yes, he was fully God, but yes, he was fully man and he was among wild beasts. I mean, we have no idea what was going on out in that desert um, in a way that, uh, I mean, because we don't have Satan himself tempting us. He has demons that do that and evil spirits that come around. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Now, this is the first time. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So we see in the first account, um, I like how Mark talks about it, where he says he called Peter and Andrew first, and then he called, it says, and they left their nets and followed him. And then it says, James and John left their nets and the servants with Zebedee, their father. And then they followed him. But then we see that now they're being called to follow him a second time. Something had to happen. There had to be a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, the first time they followed him, clearly, they knew who Jesus was, even though he was shortly on that scene. And so to follow him, and there's so much more I can say about this, but I'm not going to because I just want to keep it simple for all of you to think about. When those men, Jesus came to them at work. They were working. They were washing their nets. I'm sure... They were fishing probably all night long. You know, fishermen usually get up early, early, early in the morning because that's when you catch fish is early, early, early in the morning. It's when the sun comes up, all the fish hide. They go down at the bottom and it's harder to catch fish. And so this is clearly in the morning. Jesus sees them working and he says to them, follow me. And they, they, they left their nets 
and they followed him. Then we see that they're still working. So I'm looking at this in a way like, okay, they're following Jesus, but in a part-time sort of way. Because it says here in Luke chapter 5, it says, Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. Now, if they're catching nothing at night, then that's just some pretty bad fishing that night. And don't forget, these people were low-class fishermen, were completely low-class citizens like shepherds. And I think shepherds were even lower-class citizens. No, they were lower-class citizens than fishermen. But that was their trade. They were very poor people. And it, they caught fish. Um, they, I'm sure they sold it. I'm sure they ate it. Um, it was their livelihood. So it was probably a, they were exhausted. They were tired. And they saw Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me. And so you see these four men just go be with him. But as I'm reading it, right here, it says in Luke chapter 5, they were still fishing during the night. And they caught nothing. And then, of course, Jesus says for them to let down the net, and they all do it. And we know the story. The nets are filled up with fish, and there's so much they call. Peter calls, you know, the others, and they come, and they fill up their boat. They fill up the nets. Their nets break. The, the boats are so heavy, they begin to sink. And in that moment, something happens. Jesus reveals his divinity to Peter. I used to think he only revealed his divinity to Peter in that moment, but the reality is, is he revealed his divinity to all of them that day. Because when he said to Peter, let down thy net, it says they, when they let down their net, they were like, "Uh oh, <laughs> something's going to happen. And they did it. And they were all filled. They filled up with those fish that there's no way that could have happened especially in the morning, especially after catching nothing. There is no way. And the Holy Spirit, you know, right then during Jesus's day, it was, he was like, everything you see me do, it's the father does it through me. Everything I speak to you, I've heard it first from my father. Whatsoever their father tells me to do, I do it. Whatsoever I hear him speak. So you, you see that the father is in view here. And it's interesting because he called Peter first, of course, Andrew. And now he's talking to Peter this time, but there's others with him. And it was amazing because he says, and when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. I like a play on words. You know, when he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You know, I think about the words Jesus says um, at the sheep and goat nation judgment, um, which happens after the battle of Armageddon and the supper of the great God where the angel where the, the angel that stands in the middle of the heavens and he calls for all the carnivorous birds come ye to the supper of the great god and and they eat all the dead bodies of the antichrist armies and so after that there's a throne of glory judgment of the sheep and goat nations which determines who will be qualified to go in to the millennial kingdom so um so those that are not are, and it's an individual judgment based on the treatment of the Jews during that time. 
You remember when Jesus says in Matthew 25, when I was sick, hungry, thirsty, naked, in prison, why didn't you feed, clothe me, come and visit me, all those things. And they were like, well, when did we ever see you do any of those things? Where were you sick and everything? See, Jesus was speaking about a future time that's still yet to come. And he said, when you've done these things unto the least of these, my brethren, he's talking about the Jews. He says, you have done it unto me. He said, therefore, you know, blessed art thou, you know, uh, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Um, so when we read about the wicked, he asks them the same judgment. It's a basis of judgment. And he says to the wicked, he says, um, uh, well, well, to the good, he says, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so he says, why? Because you did all these things to my brethren. And then he says, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Notice how he says, and the king will say, he's speaking of himself when Jesus comes to rule and reign on earth at the second coming and sets up his throne of righteousness. So see right now he's in his office as priest as the great high priest who's passed through the heavens, filling all things and to live in the presence of God for us. And now he's coming again and that will be at the second coming. And so further on when he says depart, they shall he say also unto them on the left, which are the goat, which are the ones that mistreated the Jews and were evil to them during that judgment. And it says, depart from me, ye cursed into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. And I think about what God said, what Jesus said to Peter, what Peter said rather to Jesus, depart from me, depart from me, for I am a wicked man. I am a sinful man, O Lord. And you know, Peter was Jewish, you know, he's as Jewish as you can get, Shimon. And that kind of speaks to me, you know, about how Jesus, I don't want to, I'm going down a rabbit trail. I'm so good. I always do so good at going down rabbit trails. I'm, I don't think it's always a good thing. I lose track, but let's just leave that there. It's just kind of a play on things where God's not done with us, right? And I'm going to play into this. I'm going to show you in a modern way how this speaks about this following me in three different stages, because that's where I'm taking you really. And it says, for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not from the henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their nests to ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So notice it doesn't say, they left their nets and followed him. It says they forsook all and followed him. At that point, Simon is falling down on his knees. This, this ruffian fisherman, this, this man who had really kind of a heart like a child, really, but he was strong in his way he spoke and how he uh, expressed himself. And we all love that about Peter. He's probably the most vocal of them all. Doesn't mean the other ones are not powerful, but I just love how God spoke to him and how he showed himself to him and that in showing himself his divinity, the others saw that too, because it says for they all 
cast their nets in. They all partook of the catch, that miracle that represented mankind. They didn't even fully understand what was happening when he said from then, henceforth, you'll catch men. They're like, okay, you know, right then they were so amazed because to men like that, that they'd have to fish all night to catch nothing or maybe just some things. But Jesus Christ got into Peter's boat and they all listened to him because at that point they were following him in a lesser degree and they were still working. They still had their jobs. So when they saw his divinity, then they all forsook everything. You know, it's kind of interesting because they all, they forsook all and followed him. It's interesting because in John chapter two, it talks about the wedding in the, in Cana of Galilee, where his first, his first miracle was that he turned water into wine and that water and wine are representative of water and blood that would be poured out, um, for the sins of all mankind, but they didn't understand what that means. I like to call it the left side of the cross. He hadn't died yet. There's this, the old Testament, then there's these people that are, you know, before the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and here's their Messiah in front of them. And they, they don't understand it fully. And though they know he's different and they they're experiencing everything, they're following him because they know he's the one to follow. And, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit was involved in that moment too, because men just don't leave their jobs to follow another man. So I believe that the Holy Spirit in some way had touched them where they knew they would, should go with him. But now in the second phase, now they see that he is Lord. And the catching of the fish, because Jesus came to them again while they were working in the morning. And now they forsook all and followed him. And now I want to take you over to uh, Luke 21. Just bear with me because I'm going to wind this into something I want you guys to hear. Okay, so... I'm going to hop over to John 21. After these things, verse one, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples where the sea of Tiberias. So it's interesting. First, it says he meets them in the morning at Galilee. Then he meets them at Gennesaret the second time to follow the second follow me. And the third one is the sea of Tiberias. This is kind of interesting. Um, and it says, and on this wise, he showed himself. See, he showed himself at the first following, follow me. I mean, there was nothing happening. He wasn't doing anything and they followed him. And then the second time he revealed himself as the Lord, their Messiah. And then they forsook all and followed him. So he revealed himself. He showed himself. And now there's a third time that he shows himself again. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. And there were seven of them gathered. I'm not going to read everything because I don't want to make this long. You can read it. Verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I take that as Peter saying, it's all done. Whatever has happened, you know his heart within him. He's carrying that around. 
his triple rejection and denial of Christ. Jesus is dead. I'm going, I'm going back to work. I'm going back to my profession. I guess whatever happened, happened, but I'm going. And they said unto him, we're going with thee. And they went forth and they entered into a ship immediately. And that night, again, back in the profession, they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, again, this is the third morning. Jesus stood on the shore, just like he stood on the shore the first time. And just like he stood on the shore at Gennesaret, which is Galilee, and he had to climb in the boat, Peter's boat. And now he stood on the shore after his resurrection in the morning. And all three were mourning. And he said, and, and Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you'll find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is the one who wrote this book, John, saith unto Peter, it, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, and he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. Now, I want to make something clear here. They didn't recognize Jesus because we, we only know his voice now. It says, I am the shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep follow me because they know my voice. And that's why I believe Mary Magdalene, when she was at the tomb and she turned herself about and she saw Jesus, but she didn't recognize him, thinking that he was a gardener. And she said, sir, if you have seen where they have laid him, tell me where he is and I will go and take him away. And he said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni. See, when he speaks to you, he'll call your name. He knows you by name. He doesn't have to manifest a bunch of crazy stuff. You know, Jesus is quiet in his way and he will meet you. And that was a morning too, a great while before day. And so let's go on. And therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith under Peter to the Lord. And we read that. And so let me just, just narrate it at this point. You know, they, other ships there said they got there. They knew it was the Lord. And then when they sat there, Jesus had a coal, coals of fire and fish and so on. And Jesus asks him three times, Simon, Peter, do you, Simon, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He asked him again, Simon, Peter, Simon, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, feed my sheep. And he asked him again the third time and Peter was grieved. And he said, Lord, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And he said, um, he said, Lord, remember, he said, Lord, you know, all things thou knowest I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. And then very, he spoke these words to him. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, I want you to keep that in your head. When thou wast young, when thou wast old. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying of what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, 
follow me. And you know what I saw in this? What I've seen my whole life. When you're first, when Jesus first comes to you, because remember, he has to come to you first. He comes now by the virtue of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit um, draws you. He has that drawing power to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit comes to you first, and it's through the spoken word of the gospel. And as you hear it, it has power. It has endless power of life. It's dangerous to hear the word of Jesus Christ and not respond to it. Jesus says in John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they would not have sinned. They would not have no sin. Uh, they would not have no sin. But because I've spoken unto them, they have no cloak for their sin. See, when these words are spoken to you, they're spoken to you by the word of God. And that is light. It's a spiritual power that cuts through the darkness and you respond to it, even though you're spiritually, your spirit mad is, is dead and it has to be, be born again from above, but the Holy Spirit will touch your conscience and you'll start to feel a, something you never felt before. And do you know that same feeling that drew you to Christ, that same thing will happen to you for the rest of your life in teaching and instruction and in learning and in guiding and in bearing witness to you of the truth and leading you and, and correcting you. You get, Immediately, you know that presence the very first day. And then you receive the Lord. And that's the day that I see when Jesus stood on the shore. He came, he'll come to your shore and he'll say, follow me. And you'll hear a message about him. Maybe somebody's been praying for you. I believe most people that are born again is because somebody has prayed for you. And uh, you may not know, you may think no one has prayed for me, but don't be so quick to assume that. There are many people that maybe have driven by and saw you walking on the sidewalk and they said, oh, God, save her. And that's all it took. And God grabbed onto that and he went to you and he went to whoever he would go to. And so these men, just like all of us, God came to our shore and he said, follow me. And in his person and in that voice and the father speaking through him. The spirit is upon him. Remember, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Those were the first ones, the poorest man. And you know what? The poor hear differently. That's why unto the poor, the gospel is preached because they're hearing with ears of hope. They're hearing, they're looking for the light. They that have sit in darkness have seen a great light. Definitely the poor here differently than those that have everything. Um, and I, I do believe that's true. I, I just really do. So um, then you see the third time. Well, I don't know how long it was that they were following him, but they were still going. They were still working. They didn't forsake anything yet. They were still serving. They went to serve the Lord, but they did it part-time they did they served the lord during the day they followed him whatever the lord was doing with them he was teaching them demonstrating his uh, way he did things um you know he was teaching them when he said follow me back in those days jesus was referred to as a um i think it's called a shemitah pastor 
not a pastor, a Shemitah rabbi, which means a sitting rabbi. Um, that's why he always asked questions. Rabbis that asked questions were different than the ones that just read that sat in Moses' seat and just read the Torah. Um, because he was always sitting in the temple, remember as a child, asking them questions. And that's Jesus style. That's the Hebrew style. And the teaching style is to ask you questions because they want to see what is inside of you. They want to see that's the teaching way. See, we teach differently here. We say, this is what you believe. This is how, this is what it means with them. Whenever, um, let me just say this real quick. Children, by the time when they were five years old, they were sent to start learning. Even if you were a trade, you had a trade. By the time you were 13, it was just like school. You had to learn the Torah. You had to learn all those things. And then at some point, when you turn 13, um, you had to go back to work in your family's trade. If those priests saw that you had something a little different, they would have you stay on. And then little by little, they weed out people through the years. And so uh, from what I understand in my own personal studies, um, Jesus, uh, a Shemitah uh, rabbi, when they narrow it down to a small group of people, um, there's different Shemitah uh, priests. And they would choose one of those boys and say, follow me. And what that literally meant, see, we see following Jesus as like automatons. We're walking behind him. And what it meant is from now on, you are going to eat what I eat. You're going to uh, drink what I drink. And I don't, I, let's not get into that. I'm just saying everything I do, you're going to do. You're going to talk like me. You're going to think like me. You're going to walk like me. You're going to talk like me. Follow me means you're going to spend the next three years and in Jewish custom the rabbis had those boys for three years, okay? So see, when he called these three, these men, they understood what it meant when a rabbi, remember they called him rabbi. When a rabbi says, follow me, they followed him. That was for them to be called to follow him as men who went back at 13 years old to be fishermen, to have now this man, they knew who he was. They clearly knew who he was. They're not going to follow a stranger. Jesus says a stranger, they will not follow. Um, so when he said, follow me, that was a buzzword. And think about what that meant to men like that. There, there was that out of, it was never heard. Nobody would ever be called being a fisherman. If you went back to your father's trade, you're done. That's it. You were considered, you didn't have what it takes. You're not intelligent. You're common. Go back to work. We only want the finest. And we're going to work on the number of the few that we have left, even if there's five left standing. So that's really the reason why I think, uh, it, of course, the Holy Spirit is there, that Jesus is his, his, the presence of the Father, the Holy Spirit, he says, oh, the Spirit is upon me. So we know that the Spirit was upon him, was always upon him. And so now we have these men that are like, I mean, it's unheard of. I know I'm not going to keep repeating myself. You get the, you get the picture. And we see that they spent three years with Jesus. Okay. So in the beginning and in the middle and at the end, he says, follow me. He didn't say that any different time except for when it was in the morning and it was on the shore and it was when they were working and it was when they caught nothing. Didn't say they didn't catch nothing at the first time, but see the third time 
Jesus said, um, he told him in the beginning, uh, Mark says it in one seventeen. He says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Matthew has it differently where he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I like how Mark says, I will make you to become that. And so see, when we're younger, um, we got to look at those little words, those, the play on words, because um, see, we, we have to grow up into that second follow me. There's phases of following Christ, because if you stay in the first phase, never getting a revelation by the Holy Spirit, your eyes being opened and being a partaker of the Holy Spirit, where all of a sudden you realize you're in that presence of God, then you're going to have a shallow uh, follow me experience of phase one. And you're just going to go into an intellectual ascent of trying to know God, but you're never, ever going to ever see him. Your heart has to be open. Your eyes have to be open. And notice Jesus came and did it. They, I don't see them saying, oh, I, oh, that, oh, that the Lord God of the Old Testament, because this is the left side of the cross. Oh, that he would open up our eyes and that we would really know who this man Christ is. I thought, I think the fact that they were just following him was for the very simple reason that I just explained to you. They thought, I'll follow him. Wow. I mean, think about them going home and telling other friends, you're never going to believe it. Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, he came to us and he said, follow me. And every, I can just see, you know, their people in their house dropping their bowl of, uh, you know, hummus and dropping their spoon or whatever it is they're eating with in their soup um, because that was unheard of. And it was, it was, but there was something that was happening. And so when now they forsook all and followed him, this is they forsook everything. You never hear them about them going back home again. You never hear them fishing again until after Jesus died. And then he was resurrected. Now he's on the shore again and it's in the morning and he comes to them after he's been come out of the grave in the morning and he meets them in the morning. And I believe it was just as what it was when they camped with him, when they, when they walked with him and talked with him and, and that Jesus always had breakfast in the morning. And I do believe there's something about the morning when he comes in the morning, you know, he compasses our path and our lying down. That means while you sleep, he's standing around your bed. He's waiting to wake up for you. When it said, I heard that uh, Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, that's morning. And he was there to meet the two people he loved so much. You see, there's something about the morning. And I know I can hear some of you going, but I can't wake up in the morning. I'm asleep. Look, I'm just saying what I see in the Bible. Um, how you meet Jesus Christ is none of my business. It's between you and him. And if that's when you want to meet him, hey, Jesus says, Nicodemus, it says that Nicodemus came to Jesus at midnight. There you go, you midnight owls. You can go to Jesus at midnight. And he, I just picture Jesus being awake at midnight going, are you a ruler in Israel? Just having this real heart to heart conversation with Nicodemus. It doesn't have to be always in the morning. And I thank God because there's so many times I came to Christ during the middle of the night where I was wide awake. And you know what? He was wide awake too, because he that keepeth Israel will not sleep. Yea, it says he, for he sleep, but he doesn't sleep. He that keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. So he's always awake and waiting for us, just like he did with Nicodemus. So we see here the third time he says, after he tells him, feed my sheep, 
feed my lamb, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. By the way, when you were young, you, you know, you gird, you girded yourself, you went where you would, you know, I, when I, when I hear that, um, when he says, when thou was young, and then you see when thou was old, um, see babes in Christ are nursed. They're not crucified. When you're over here in the first follow me, you're not ready to lead a crucified life in Christ. You know, when you're young, when it says when you were young, you have certain liberties. And it says here, thou walkest whither thou wouldest. Right? It says, but when you are, when they, but when you grow up into a spiritual adulthood, everything changes. And think about it. You never saw Peter go, now hold on a minute. What? Right? You know, when if you were to ask that older third follower, third phase believer, they would not go back to the other so-called easier life because they're nearer to their Lord, far nearer than they ever were before. See, even Jesus had three phases of finishing. After he revealed himself to the women in Samaria and his disciples went to go get meat for him and they came back and he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He goes, my meat is to finish the work, is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. And then later on in John 17, he says in prayer to his father, our father, he says, father, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. And then on the cross, his final words, it is finished. See, there's these three phases that we see these men in these three years. See, they weren't ready yet to die with Christ. He could not have said those words to Peter the first day when he said, follow me. And I'll make you to become fishers of men. Oh, and by the way, Peter, I say unto you, when you were young and you girded yourself and you went where you wanted to, and, and but when you're going to be old, you're going to stretch forth your hands and, and somebody else is going to gird you and they're going to carry you where you wouldn't. And, and he was speaking to him of his death. He couldn't tell him that then. It would have scared him. He wouldn't have understood. He could only have understood that. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I, I like to say on the right side of the cross. See, the middle part is where God starts to get serious about your walk. He's going to come to you. He will come to you and he'll come to you again and he'll reveal himself to you. But be, be careful when he reveals himself to you. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's not going to do anything. But if you have followed him up to the second phase and only you can know when that is those defining moments of the follow me when you had to choose, will you go further with Christ? No matter though, all hell is breaking loose around you. Are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to praise the Lord in the fires? Because look, I'm going to tell you something. God has to prepare you to die. He has to prepare you for a spiritual death. And he has to prepare you to die like Paul said, for I die daily. I die daily, meaning to everything in this world. And it was the things that were coming against him and, and that were trying his faith. Because listen, like I mentioned, things are coming upon this earth 
that is going to try the faith of every single person that says they have faith in Jesus Christ. Because just as it says at the Bema Seat of Christ, after people die that are born again, and they're going to wind up at the Bema Seat of Christ, which is a reward platform for the born again Christians. It's not a judgment of condemnation. It's the reward platform. That's what Bema is. And it says, for the fire shall decide, declare what kind of work it was. See, the fire of this world declares what kind of faith we have. And yeah, it's hard to go through really terrible things. It's awful. But Jesus will never leave you there because he loves you. And He's when he calls you to follow him, he means it. And he undertakes your following him. Do you see what I'm trying to re show you what the Holy Spirit showed me? You see, he knows how to lead you. And just like that Shemitah rabbi, it's like there came a point where he said, it's finished, but he had prayed for them. Now keep them by that name you gave me. And by the way, there will be others that will come along. That's you and me. You know, at the end of John 20, it says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And you know what I think about that? I think, yeah, you know what? It's going to take the vastness of heaven because the Bible, because heaven is filled with books, the book of life, the book of uh, those who are written. There's, I believe there's a book of life for those who every single human being that has been born, their names are written in a book of life. And when your name is blotted out of it, that means that you have lost. You did not enter into eternal life, though God gave you an entire lifetime. There is the Lamb's Book of Life where people have been born again and their name is found written there. And they have the right to enter in through the gates of righteousness into the city. There is the there. I believe there's a book of tears that we read about. Thou tellest my wanderings. Um. Thou gatherest, gatherest, get ga, ga, you gather my tears into thy bottle. Are they not written in thy book? He counts your tears. I believe there's, and there's also a book of remembrance that is written for them that think upon his name. Think about every thought you ever think, because I think about him all day long, no matter what. Think about the books that are written. The earth cannot contain them. That's what it says. I suppose that even the world, this world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And those books were written and they are being written. But this world cannot contain them. God is an excellent, excellent record keeper. And he thinks about you every day. And he's teaching you how to follow him. See, now he can say to you, your name, whatever your name, fill in the blank. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever your name is. When you were young, you girded yourself and you went where you walked wherever you wanted. That was your baby liberty. But when thou shalt be old, you will stretch forth your hands and someone else is going to gird you and carry you, whether you don't want to go. Just like Jesus said, Father, if this is possible, if this cup pass from me. You know, I'll tell you something. This world is going to explode and there's going to be people. Um, and I don't have, I, and I say this, I say this sensitively. 
there's a lot of people that sit in church every Sunday. They go to endless Bible studies. They watch endless sermons. And there's so many people that are still in the first follow me. You know, there is a cost to serve Jesus Christ, but he's worth it. Jesus is worth it. And, and everything is to be tried. And really everything in a sense is a discipline. But it says our faith, though be tried by fire, shall come forth as pure gold. I mean, I'm really saying this to you right now. You don't want anything that's cheap. Do you like wearing clothes that somebody else wore with threads are falling apart? It's covering your body. You got a shirt on. No, you don't want things that are just falling apart so you can just say you have it. Jesus delights in you and he wants you to follow him and he wants you to talk like him. He wants you to see things the way he sees. He wants you to hear things the way he hears. He wants you to feel the things he feels. He wants, you know, it says in the word we, 1 Corinthians 3.18, we who with unveiled faces do reflect the glory of the Lord for he is changing us into his likeness with ever increasing glory. He is changing us and making us like his son, like him. There can only be one son of God. So today, realize, don't beat yourself up if you're trying to gain, you know, wisdom and you're trying to speed up your process. Um, you need to walk out your, you need to walk out your faith. You need to grow and mature. And there will come a day where Jesus will reveal something to you where he's showing you not just to entertain you, but in order to say, are you ready for more? Because there's things I'm going to have you do, but you must forsake all. Now, he didn't say, you better forsake all, I command you. He didn't even, he just said, follow me. But they forsook all. See, something has to happen inside of you where you go, I'll sell all I have for that pearl in that field. You know why? Because now your eyes have been opened to see the other world and to see the Savior, your Savior, and to follow him. And then in the third phase, Jesus can say, I have more work for you to do. And then you'll suffer. You'll die. You know, to some people, you might be saying, well, that's a bleak thing. Not if you love Jesus Christ, because he's never going to do something to you that you think he never does anything that we think he has his own way and style. But the point is you never turn back for the supposed baby easier life. You go all the way and to the end and to the everlasting life because you see that you don't, you don't see your life anymore in this world. You now just see his life. And Peter did follow him after all. In fact, they all did. Peter followed him hanging upside down on a cross. They all followed him in death. And they all followed him in heaven. And now they all sit on 12 thrones who will in the future judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And let us follow him. Okay? Follow him. Follow Jesus. When he comes around and shows you things, follow him. You'll never regret it. When you give all to him, he'll give all to you. All of himself. Amen. Have a beautiful weekend. Maranatha.